Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Ashley, and today we are joined by Mr. Brad Williams. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good, Brad. We're happy to have you, man. Good to be here. Yeah. So this month or the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking about talking to a couple of people who are partnering with our church and what we're calling a B4 network of churches. Yeah. So we wanted to have you on to kind of set up that conversation a little bit. So can you just give us like a sentence or two about kind of what this network is? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great question. By the way, once again, Ashley decided that uh, <laughs> the best way for her to do this is to not give me the questions in advance because we yes. had good results last time. So I don't know what she's actually <laughs> asking me today. So this is this is always really good. But, It'll be a uh, surprise. Yeah, no, really the B4 network of churches is kind of a loosely formed thing. I mean, we're really just kind of at the beginning stages of this, but it's the basic idea that we as a church, we're well-resourced. Um, mm. You know, we've been, God's been good to us as a church and people have been so generous and it's really just leaning into the, maybe the sense of responsibility we have to care for other churches in our area. And oftentimes that happens through denominations, um, but denominations only really go so far. So yes, we're a four square church. We're part of that denomination and and there's things we do as a part of that, but then there's another layer of care and Mm -hmm. I think connection and partnership that we want to have with other churches and specifically ones that we just find ourselves relationally linked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the basic idea that we would be there to provide support and care. And some of that comes from my own experience and yeah. things yeah. that I have experienced in my past. And now that I'm in this position thinking, how do we help people that are in these certain situations and come alongside of them? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that some more. Cause I mean, it, this, a lot of this is connected to your story and your passions and your experience. Yeah. So church planning as a whole, as part of your story. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so church planting or starting a new church. You know, right. we use the term church planting sort of as an insider language, but um, that's the term to use when we talk about starting new churches. And um, first heard about church planting in the late 90s. I was in my mm-hmm. early 20s and I heard this whole concept of people starting new churches. It had never dawned on me. I guess every church had to be sure. started someplace. Yeah. And, and then what was really interesting for me is that I then found out that church planting was the number one way to reach people with the message of Jesus, that there's no other method that's reached more people with the gospel than starting a new church. Uh, And so I just leaned into that. And um, Sherry and I, at the time, we were leading a a college and young adults ministry that was really flourishing. And we got a call one day uh, from Joe Whitwer, who's a pastor up in Spokane, Mm -hmm. Washington, and dear, dear friend of mine. Um, at the time, I didn't know him. He called me out of the blue and said, hey, would you guys consider flying up and talking to us about starting a new church wow. out of our church? And so at that season, Joe had really leaned in and said, we have a responsibility to start new churches in sure. our city, not just see our church keep growing and growing. Um, so I was the third church to get started out of that church in uh, 2002. Mm. Not the third in 2002, but the third sure. church, and it was 2002. And that became my journey. Uh, I've been a part of church planting. I started training church planters. Uh, someone invited me, actually Ann Roth invited yeah. me to to join her in training church planters around the U.S. And I felt like, who am I to do this? I was like one step ahead of folks, but it turned out that was actually a really good place for all of sure, us to be. Sure. So trained church planters for several years. And then uh, in 2005, uh, another denomination asked if we would plant um, 10 churches in five years wow. in New York City. And so, <laughs> the easiest yeah. place to plant a church alone. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's try 10. And there's, a, and there's a lot of tragedy to that story. I mean, there's that's probably the most difficult season of our life and wow. my life. 
um, is that season. And, and so, um, that didn't happen the way we thought it would. Uh, interestingly enough though, I got back involved in church planting. I had been coaching training and actually have had the opportunity to have my hand in the pot with some church planting in New York city until just recently. And, uh, and it's just been my passion. My passion has been to help church planters and new churches get going. So that's kind of a, kind of a brief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of the irony of life is that we often learn more from our pain than from our triumph. Yeah, yeah. And uh, getting to know you and getting to see your experience and your stories in New York, um, but then also to see how you've been shaping this thing called Foursquare Multiply for the yeah. last few years. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what that is and how some of your experience helped? Yeah, you know? so currently, um, even before I came to B4, I've been directing Foursquare's West Coast efforts. Um, so all the Western states, including Alaska and Hawaii, all the mm-hmm. way to North Dakota. Um, been leading all of the church planting network stuff there. So training, identifying, assessing, training, and mm-hmm. then coaching church planters for the past several years. And, uh, and that's been, it's been a great, great part of our journey. And it's been yeah. an amazing opportunity to be alongside of so many amazing faith filled people who say, we're going to go do this. And it's church planting is so risky. It's sure. so risky. It takes so much faith and it can be so lonely. And I think that's mm. one of the things that having done it a couple of times, even though, you know, we've had great support, great friends, mm-hmm. great people around us, but there are times in that first church plant, I remember, you know, I was 27, 28 years old, planting my first church. I'm senior pastoring a group of people, right. most of them older than me, that have somehow right. decided they want to listen to me. I'm like, well, I don't know why you're here. You moved across the country. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. we had moved to a new city. We planted uh, yeah. somewhere around a year or maybe uh, 13 months after we had moved to the city. Wow. We launched a new church. We got a church of like three or 400 people. And I just remember feeling so alone, you know, just feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I would go to a coffee shop and have my staff meeting with myself. And maybe, you know, was like, <laughs> there was a couple, good meeting though, We right? had some part-time folks, go the you know. Agenda. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how many disagreements I had. Uh, but we, you know, I, I just remember moments where, you know, it just felt really alone mm-hmm. and, and it didn't feel like there was that network of support. And um, New York was incredibly isolating sure. um, because, the, yeah, it was incredibly isolating. Right. The irony us. of being in one of the biggest cities in the world and feeling so isolated. At yeah, the same time. yeah, and tons of friends. None of them were Jesus followers. So right. lots of people around us that we really fell in love with, but they weren't people that were knew what we were even doing. They didn't even know how to describe what we did to their friends when they introduced us. And so, wow. it was a very strange place to mm-hmm. to be. Wow. Yeah, wow. So you've kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and given us a little bit of a backstage past view what it's like to plant a church. Is there anything else that you think our congregation should know, either struggles or joys of what it's like to plant a church or like in Dan's case, who we'll talk to, is kind of restarting a church. Yeah. What are some of the unique challenges or unique exciting things that happen in that process? Yeah. In fact, it's funny because sometimes I think um, – you know, I, I've lived in these two extremes where I've pastored very large churches. You know, Summit was about right. the same size as before. Um, and then I've also, you know, pastored a church that was struggling to get off the ground. And there's, but there's so many great moments in those early days. Mm. Um, just seeing the fruitfulness, seeing things that happen. Have, you know, for me these days, oftentimes, you guys know, I get, I can get pretty removed from some of the fun stories that happen and sure. life change that's taking place. It just seems like you can get distant from it. So I think when someone's starting a new church, they are just like, you're in the trenches. There's stuff right in front of you every day. Every conversation matters. There's an intensity to it. There's mm-hmm. a there's a real sense of like, we got to make this work because right. if we don't make it work, we're not going to be here. So right. there's an entrepreneurial side that's really fun and mm-hmm. and and beautiful. Um, so there's there's parts of that that are 
uh, that I think I can reminisce on and go, man, that was really great when you're creating this and every conversation matters mm -hmm. and, and that. But at the same time, every conversation matters. Right, yeah. right. You know, somebody leaves and it's devastating. Because mm. it's like a tenth of your congregation or something at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, the, ch the, the first church I planted, there was a group of people. We named the church sitting in my living room, you know. Wow. Six months later, all those people were gone, and I was stuck with a really <laughs> dumb name for a church, you know. And it was you like, bought why, into this name why and did you're we gone. do this? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a very real thing. Is that in church planting, wow. there's a term that church planter professionals have come to call um, certain people scaffolding people, like scaffolding on a building. Mm -hmm. Um, they're there to get the building up, but when the building's up, they're gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's such a hard thing because as a pastor, you pour yourself into the lives of these people. And yet I've seen it over and over again. It's right. just so true. So um, there are just inerrant risks in this. It's it's not um, financially. It mm -hmm. is a very difficult thing to go plant a church. Mm -hmm. And uh, it takes faith and creativity and all sorts of ingenuity to make a church plant work. Right. It's like working on a shoestring mm -hmm. and... It, unlike entrepreneurial ventures, there are no capital or, you know, venture angel capitalists investors. or angel investors <laughs> who are like, hey, we want to help you with this. That doesn't happen in church planting. Sure. Uh, and so, and a lot of times the people you're meeting and the people you're being introduced to, um, they are far from Jesus. And so mm -hmm. the idea of giving sacrificially is not even a part of their vocabulary. Sure. And so sure. that's so challenging. So yeah, there's so many different parts of this. You spoke to um, the isolation of mm -hmm. someone who's starting a church. Yeah. Um, or, you know, in Dan's case, kind of restarting a church. And as we talk about this family or network of churches that mm -hmm. we're a part of, um, you also talked about resources. In, and obviously our mind may go to monetary resources being a huge support in that. But can you speak to the like people resources as yeah. well and why that's important? Yeah, no, I think it's actually really important. In fact, part of this network, I mean, one of the things we're discussing is you know, what does it look like for, for these churches, for them to gather and be a part of a time of like staff chapel and worship together, just simple right. time of like, okay, there's people around to connect mm -hmm. with and remember, you know, that, that you have people that are on your team with you and kind of moving in the same direction, even if it's not in the same location. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that is a huge resource is just to go, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one here. Um, there's resources. There, there's so many things we do here at B4 so wonderfully right that for us to reproduce those things doesn't take a lot of effort. We, mm -hmm. We've already done a lot of the legwork. For somebody to bring that stuff to bear in a new place mm -hmm. is so much di more difficult than sure. it is for us just to say, hey, can we help you with this? And mm -hmm. so um, there are human resources that with the flip mm -hmm. of a switch, we're able to say, oh, we've got this. Can we offer this to right. you? Um, there are resources even just in terms of administration mm -hmm. that so many times new churches are wrestling with admin and they're they're you know they're doing QuickBooks. These mm -hmm. I've seen so many church planters <laughs> buried in you know their admin stuff, and right. and you're like, you never went to school for this, right? Right. <laughs> this well, is not yeah. going to end well I for seen anyone. A person yeah. In yeah. And so there's a way for yeah. us to come alongside and help people with admin things and and fiscally mm -hmm. those kinds of those kinds of management tools. We can right. do things for them. Um, so there's a lot, and we've been doing that. We've been doing that with yeah. some of these churches is just saying, how can we help serve you so that you're, you're boots on the ground, right. loving people in Jesus' name, not sitting with a computer crunching numbers mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how you're right. going to do this. Um, so that's a big part of what this yeah. is. So how do you, how have you come to decisions about like which churches we want to be a part of um, and, and you know, what does that process look like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really relational. Yeah. Um, obviously the big one, when we, when I got here was central Victoria mm -hmm. with uh, Israel and Megan Talamentis and they are, um, I love them so yeah. much. They, uh, they're amazing, amazing people and such a gift. And, 
you know, specifically the Spanish speaking church, the Hispanic, you know, Latino community gets the scraps of the table yeah. um, mm-hmm. from so many churches. Um, so that one's a really obvious one for me to say, how can we come alongside and serve them? That's why our youth ministry moved out of our West building and we're giving mm-hmm. them a prime time location, which does not very, that doesn't happen for church right. plants mm-hmm. that aren't English speaking yeah. very often. So we're giving them this opportunity, but part of that was just relational. Like mm-hmm. they're here and obviously there's a connection. They're very much a part. And that's really where this started happening. Like, is there a reason we should kick them out the door and make them somehow struggle and yeah. fight on their own? Is that really beneficial? And and so that's mm-hmm. that's one. Um, the other one is Joe Gruber, who's been a part of our team the last year, came up from Santa Cruz. He was actually in the Foursquare Multiply training, moved to Portland mm-hmm. before I got here. Um, I was assigned as his coach, which was really interesting. So I was already coaching Joe before we got here. Then I had one day told him, I said, Hey man, I've got news for you. I'm moving to Beaverton. And, uh, and then that began a journey because he initially was going to plant in the South waterfront. And, um, just if you know Joe and you've met him and you look at the South waterfront, you kind of scratch your head and go, I don't think this fits. And (laughs) so we had a really, there was a great day when he was coming to a a coffee meeting and he was going to break the news that he didn't feel like he was supposed to plant in the South waterfront. (laughs) And I was driving there thinking, how am I going to tell Joe? I don't think he's going to yeah. plan yeah. himself yeah. on the front. Yeah. Yeah, and we both, moved here. Yeah, yeah, we both had this moment and it was really cool. And so now they're in Monta Villa right. and uh, they are up and going. In fact, um, Trinity amazing. Fellowship over there, amazing, amazing thing happened that their elders and their pastor decided to give Joe and All City Church their building. Right. Um, it's an amazing, gorgeous facility. It's yeah. where Theophilus, if anyone knows Theophilus, mm-hmm. it's where they started. They were there years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've given that building to us, or to wow. Joe, um, to plant a church in. So that's one, that's the other one. But again, it's relational. Yeah. And then the third one, obviously, is Bridgeport, and that's been relational. Yeah. And uh, Dan Gill is going to be pastoring that and is on, you know, already doing that. He's pastoring right. that congregation. And again, Dan's one of our own. I think, mm-hmm. I think Dan's been on staff here for... Mm-hmm. Near seven, seven years. years. Yeah, him yeah. and I started on the exact yeah. same day. Well, that's right. That's yeah. right. So Dan's been a part of our team seven years, and, and he really is an amazing shepherd. Mm-hmm. And in this season, uh, he and Sharon just, mm-hmm. it was really obvious the call of God on their life in this moment. And yeah. that's part of what this is about. It's like just seeing what God's doing and saying, do we have a relational connection? Um, do we have a reason to be a part of this? And should we be blessing and helping mm-hmm. kind of nurture this? And it's really what the Church of Antioch did. If you look mm-hmm. back in the New Testament, the Church of yeah. Antioch was this sponsoring Mm-hmm. church that said, man, can we get behind this? And I, I had a funny illustration. When we first were asked to kind of step in and help out with Bridgeport, um, you know, we were, it yeah. was looking like it was going to be a site and a campus and just, the, I felt so uncomfortable with it. And I had a moment where I just felt like the Lord said, this isn't a season for you to be a father. It's a season for you to be a grandfather, <laughs> which was not a prophetic statement about my married children and your kids. Let me be clear about that. They can I did wait. give you a hard time about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can wait. But but that whole statement was really about, you know, grandparents bless, grandparents mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Get, to, get to come in in those you know critical moments and be there and offer support, but they're not involved in the nuts and bolts details. Sure. And I really felt like that's what the Lord was calling us to as a church was to say, how can we be a blessing? How can we really be good mm-hmm. grandparents? to some churches in our area, not have to manage all the details, not have to have my face on anything, or, right. but just to let all city church and Bridgeport church and central Victoria be those ind- those independent churches, but at the same time have a connection community. That's so yeah. cool. What excites you about this? Hmm. I think the biggest thing is knowing that they're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there'll be days when each one of them will sit and they'll, they'll feel alone. And mm-hmm. if, and if we weren't there, 
um, I don't know who they'd call. And I think that's part of the challenge is making sure that they know who they can call. That excites me. That also excites me to know that we get to share in what God does in those places. And that's really fun when you're a part of a church and go, man, like I give my tithe dollars every month mm-hmm. and um, you know, I show up and I do things. But when you start seeing that the impact of what you're a part of is starting to reach new places and new people and that multiplication effect, I think there's something for just our people at B4 that there's, it just resonates like, Mm -hmm. okay, our churches, it's like, it's like food boxes. You know, we were feeding 1400 families a week um, early on in the pandemic. And there's something when you go, my church is doing this, my Mm -hmm. church, like we get to be a part of this, you know? And so I think that's, what's exciting for me is knowing that we get to make a dent in some neighborhoods and some places in communities that don't speak the same language I spoke. I mean, Mm I've, I've preached over at Central Victoria. I've preached on a Sunday <laughs> here and then I've gone over and preached at Central before the pandemic started. And I looked at Israel afterward. I said, don't ever let, let's never do this again. Like, you're, <laughs> you're an amazing preacher and I love listening to you preach in Spanish and I, this is not yeah. for me. And yeah. I'm going to be here to support you guys, but that's a cool thing. I'm never going to preach in Spanish. Yeah. Um, but I get to support a guy who is an amazing preacher and pastor. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You said something earlier and I kind of let it go by, but in what you just said, it brought it back to mind. You said that starting new churches is one of the most effective ways to spread the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, that is a good question. Um, one of the primary reasons why is that when you're starting a new church, people get excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's the, the longer a church exists, the more established it becomes and the more it becomes focused on serving its members. Hmm. Um, but a new church starts and there's this, there's this intrinsic vision at the very beginning that says, this is for people who aren't in the door yet. Mm-hmm. And so there's two things that happen. One is there's just this underlying idea that everybody is owning in the culture that like, we want people to come to this. Yeah. The older a church gets, the less people are sure. excited, the less they're thinking about, they get excited mm-hmm. about that, but the less they're thinking like, oh, there's new people. Right. So a church like before, you see thousands of people roll in and roll right. out and it's right. you don't have that sense. But when you're starting a church, there's this sense of like, I wanna invite everybody I know to come right. to be a part of this. Right. So that's one thing is that people just invite their friends. Like I'm a part, they're mm-hmm. new because there's a deeper level of ownership of people that are a part of that core team. Right. Then the other thing that happens is when you start doing that, you start having conversations with people who are, loops out in terms of concentric circles Mm -hmm. from church people. So the other part of this is that the longer a person is a Christian, the fewer non-Christians they have deep relationships with. And so you, it's always this weird paradigm that like you or paradox that you get when you're at your most mature point, you're actually your most, usually most removed from people who don't Mm -hmm. know Jesus. Um, So in a church plant, if I invite you and you're brand new to this thing, Mm -hmm. well, it turns out you have a whole circle of friends that aren't going to church. Right. And so then you end up saying, you guys, I'm going to church. And they go, right. well, I'll come with you. And right. there's this there's this effect that takes place that um, in established churches, yeah. those networks happened. Sometimes that happened. I mean, that happened here. That happened mm-hmm. at sure. before, sure. but it just happened 25 and 30 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, I, I was just thinking about us doing that, supporting these churches and recognizing that yes, part of it is to support the church planners, but ultimately it's, part of the way we stay young and fresh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We are helping advance the gospel in communities that we're not going to reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, it was just exciting to hear that. So, yeah. 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 Um, so as we're thinking about our congregation in your mind, what does it look like for our congregation to kind of be involved in this sister network of churches of like, how does the normal person in a pew, how are they supporting that? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think every time they give uh, to B4, there's there's obviously, there's ways we're subsidizing their budgets right. and trying to help them get on their feet. So that's a very practical nuts and bolts, you know, that, that yeah. your tithe dollars go to help with that. Um, but I think there's other ways, you know, one of the things I love is seeing folks that have been really involved at B4 on a mm-hmm. Sunday, I'll see them playing worship over at Central Victoria, mm-hmm. jumping mm-hmm. in in different ways. So there's ways to volunteer with these churches. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways, even if you said, hey, I, I want to be a part of this for a year, B4 mm-hmm. is my home, but man, I'd love to help you get off the ground. There's places right. where folks can jump in and volunteer. Um, my my expectation is like, if you live over in Montevilla, yeah. you, you should go with Joe. You, you yeah. Stop go, that drive. Yeah, quit, quit crossing the river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truly. Right. And like be, right. in, I mean, Jesus modeled incarnational ministry. And right. so, um, so then we need to be incarnating the communities that we're in. And so, um, so yeah, so I would say jump in and go to, go to one of those places. Yeah. And, yeah. Those are, those are a few examples of ways. I think pray, I mean, yeah. huge. Yeah. Pray, pray for these churches, yeah. Yeah. pray for them because they're taking new ground. And anytime you're taking new ground, there's resistance. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not afraid to over-spiritualize this. There's a target on each one of their backs the moment yeah. they step out in faith to take yeah. new ground in new neighborhoods. And like Joe, you know, he's over there right. in a neighborhood that's been hard for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Dan's in a neighborhood that's been really tough. You know, yeah. um, Israel is with a community of people who have been yeah. largely ignored. Um, so yeah. there's some real unique challenges that each one of them are facing that um, they need prayer. Yeah, that's so good. All right, Brad, if you had one final thing, some vision that you would want to cast to our church yeah. about all of what we've talked about today, what would it be? I think it's just this, I think it's this idea, this sense of us as a church that that B4 is a church that has historically mm. um, been about reaching our community in unique ways and that we have a strong commitment to doing that in more, I mean, just even more in the days ahead. Yeah. And, and, and I think it would be that we would be the kind of church that says, we're, we want to see everybody we know come to Jesus, yeah. that we would be so about folks finding and following Jesus that we get excited about this stuff, that everybody yeah. in our church would say, man, this is, this is what it's all about, that when new people walk through our doors, yeah. we get excited about it, that yeah. um, when there are stories of, of people getting baptized in their clothes that happened just a couple yeah. of weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. like walking yeah. into young adults and saying, I want to be baptized, that, that our church celebrates that stuff and yeah. that we become a church that says, we're here to reach people, not just serve our members. Yeah. And I think that's that's a huge part of this yeah. for me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah. I always love having you on love the it. podcast. Yeah. Love and it. Good to have you kind of set the tone for the conversation because yeah. the next couple of weeks we will be doing being do be, bleh, we will be, we will doing, be doing yeah. interviews with Israel, Joe, and Dan. That's awesome. Um, so we'll get you guys will get to hear from them and the front lines as well as kind of getting the yeah. ten thousand foot view from Brad. Cool. So yeah. We're excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. So thank you guys for joining us today on the B Four Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're here. Our Lent devotional just started last week. So if you want to go ahead and grab one of those, we know we got a little delayed with the snow of getting those out, but it lasts for 40 days. So you still got plenty of time. Make sure you pick one up when you either are here for service or you're welcome to stop by the office during the week and grab one. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to share that with a friend. If you think they'd be encouraged by it or learn something new, best way to share the podcast is just to share it personally. Also, make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes so that you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next week. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.